You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. And welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. In this segment, I'm chatting with Tess Shields and Caroline Leclerc from the Delegates Team for Queen's Female Leadership in Politics, or QFLIP, about the group's upcoming virtual conference entitled Evolve 2022, happening February 5th and 6th. Hello, Tess and Caroline. Hi, thanks for having us. How are you? Okay, so tell us about yourselves and the work you do for the Queen's Female Leadership in Politics group. I can go first. So... Um, I'm a fourth year student at Queens and I'm doing a medial in both history and global development. And I became involved with QFLIP after I attended the conference last year. So this year I am the delegates director, um, which basically means I oversee sort of both the internal and the external um, outreach that we do, as well as our brand ambassador program and our new high school liaison program that we just started this year. So my role in QFLIP is I'm the external delegates coordinator. I'm a second year political studies student and it's my first year on QFLIP. I work closely with Tets and my main role is kind of taking care of the external delegates and really marketing the conference externally from Queens and working together with other organizations to try and get as many universities in Canada and outside of Canada even to participate in the conference and other QFLIP related events. And now what is QFLIP? What does the group actually do? Uh, Yeah, I can go. Um, So QFLIP was started in 2015 by two Queen students, Caroline Marple and Rachel Tung. And since then, we've had six conferences, one of which last year was entirely virtual and this year's will be as well. Um, And we're a nonpartisan student organization. We, um, We work towards the intersectional empowerment of women in the political sphere and other Um, leadership positions. And our mandate is really to motivate intersectional leadership in politics by empowering young women and their allies with the necessary skills, tools, and connections that they need to succeed. QFLIP also runs many other events throughout the year where we collaborate with other universities and other organizations on campus to kind of really push the idea of female leadership in politics and to continue QFLIP throughout the year. So we have lots of opportunities for people to get involved during the whole school year, but we mainly focus on our conference that is coming up in February. And what motivated you to get involved? So I really wanted to get involved because in first year, I hadn't been involved in many organizations and I've always really been passionate about social justice and feminism. So seeing this amazing conference that has so many female leaders and um, female leaders and opportunities to get involved and really be part of a group on campus, I was really compelled to kind of try it out, even though I hadn't gone to the conference in first year. And it was an amazing opportunity. So I really, I kind of branched out and I decided to interview. And ever since getting onto the executive team, I've really seen how special of a community QFLIP is and how much you really get to be involved and you really get to see how your work has contributed to the conference and the team as a whole. So it's really helped me as a student who joined Queen, the Queens community during the COVID pandemic really start to find people that have similar interests to me and that are in similar programs to me. So I really, that was really one of my main motivations for getting involved. Yeah, pretty similar to Caroline. I would say I've always been pretty interested in feminism and 
um, gender equity, um, politics as well, even though I don't study it, which is sort of one of the reasons that I attended the conference last year. And then after that, I just knew that QFLIP was a space that I wanted to be involved in. Um, and that led to me applying this year for the executive. All right. So tell us more about the upcoming virtual conference happening on February 5th and 6th. What are the themes and, and goals for Evolve 2022? So Evolve 22 is 2022 is really about kind of moving forward in 2022, especially in light of what's been happening in the world. We faced a pandemic, a surge in social justice movements, and we've really seen a lot of inequality growing in our world. So we want to explore all the ways that advocacy, representation, feminism, and politics can really meet the demands of our community in the 21st century in 2022, and look across to see how all of us as a community can come together in this conference and come up and discuss new innovative ways of challenging what we know is the norm in politics and really kind of trying to structure politics into into a system that can meet the demands of what we need for the for this year and the challenges that we face nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think evolve means something different to everyone. And that's sort of the sort of main thing we always want to do with our conference title is sort of make people think and make people think about what it means to them. I would say to me, evolve means sort of growth. And as Caroline said, like within politics as a whole, but within kind of the lower levels, like both at like the low, uh, the local level within sort of our own lives, we definitely want to evolve and we want Keyflip to evolve, like as we kind of improve with intersectionality and equity and stuff. So I would say it's kind of up for interpretation, but that overall, it's just about kind of becoming more aligned with our mandate. Awesome. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the Evolve 2022 presentations. Okay, um, um, so QFLIP offers many different speakers that we really try and get a diverse range of speakers that have different interests and different topics they can discuss, and they're all very well known. We've recently had a speaker drop on our Instagram, and we will kind of continuously update everyone with what speakers we have available um, or what speakers will be attending the conference. We also have a bunch of different events throughout the conference, such as our case challenge, which provides delegates with the opportunity to learn more about strategy and problem solving with one of the leading public affair or, um, public affairs agency. This year, we are working with Crestview Strategies, but we offer many different interactive um, events and speaker opportunities because we are using a um, new kind of streaming site. So we're using Hopin, which really allows our um, participants to kind of have the most interactive opportunity to get involved with the conference, which we're really excited about since it is a virtual conference this year. But there are many different activities and there's also kind of some surprises along the way that we talk about throughout the conference. So we're really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. And I also understand there's an event called the Case Challenge that accompanies the conference proceedings. What's a Case Challenge? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, the case challenge is an optional opportunity as part of the conference that delegates can sign up for. And essentially they learn about strategy, problem solving, and it's an opportunity to practice your presenting skills as well in front of some of Canada's top public affairs professionals. Um, so once you sign up for the conference, you're sorted into teams with other delegates, and then you'll get a case brief, which will be a real world problem. And then you get a week to work with your team. And then on the final day of the conference, you present to Crestview and then the winner is announced um, at the end of the conference. Now, how can folks register for the conference and find more information? 
Um, so you can register for the conference as well as see our speaker drops and other important information on our Instagram, which is at q.flip. We also have a Facebook page, which is QFLIP or Queen's Female Leadership in Politics. You can just search that. And then we also have a website where you can find out more about the conference and register as well, which is QFLIP.ca. Anything else to add? No, I think that's it. There's also many um, financial aid opportunities that come with registration. So you can access that on our webpage. I think that's it. We hope to see a lot of you at the conference. And if you have any questions, you can DM us on Instagram or email the delegates, which you can find the link to that on our website as well. Amazing. Thank you, folks. We've been chatting with Tex. Amazing. Thank you both so much, folks. We have been chatting with Tess Shields and Caroline Leclerc of the delegates team for Queen's Female Leadership in Politics, that is QFLIP, about their group's upcoming virtual conference entitled Evolve 2022, which is happening on February 5th and 6th. Thanks so much, Tess and Caroline, for joining us here on Campus Beat. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Hello and welcome back to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. In this segment, we're chatting about the Undergraduate Student Summer Research Fellowships Program, or USERF. New applications for this program are open with a deadline of Tuesday, March 1st. And in this year's program, 19 fellowships of $6,000 are available on campus between May and August, and two fellowships of $5,000 are available at the Bader International Study Center at Hurst-Monceau Castle from May through June. The fellowships provide experiential learning opportunities for continuing undergraduate students enrolled in a bachelor degree program here at Queen's to participate in social sciences, humanities, and or creative arts research under the supervision of a Queen's faculty member. And further, the uh, fellowship actually uh, is intended to provide students with meaningful opportunities to engage in discovery-based learning and to develop their research and presentation skills. And here today to chat about their own experience participating in the Undergraduate Student Summer Research Fellowships program are Zoe Mack and Aidan Gurum. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So tell us about yourselves and your programs of study at Queen's. Let's start with you, Zoe. Yeah, so I'm a fourth year history major um, and a political studies minor. Um, and I really like to focus on gender and sexuality in my work. So whenever I can take a class or do a research paper on those topics, that's what I try and focus on. Aidan. Yeah, so I am a third year con ed student at Queen's, majoring in global development and minoring in English. And how have things been going for both of you this year during the pandemic? They're going pretty good. Um, I learned to crochet, I think, like half the planet. So I've been uh, keeping myself busy and making lots of sweaters, um, even with all these new restrictions. Um, I would say 2021 was a bit tough just because there was so such limited social contact, but I'm very optimistic and excited for um, the opportunities and the people in 2022, I would say. Now, Aiden, starting with you, what extracurriculars are you involved in and how are you otherwise staying connected with your peers? Um, I would say my main extracurricular at the moment is I intern at a um, ed tech company, which is actually run by two Queens alumni. Um, but other than that, I would say I stay connected with my peers through uh, Zoom study calls or just just hanging out with my housemates. Zoe? 
Um, I work at the Queen's University residence at the front desk. So that's been a really amazing way to stay in touch um, with the peers around me and also help first years navigate um, their first year at Queen's. Um, it's sometimes stressful during the pandemic, but it is still nice to see that face-to-face -face interaction with all the frosh. Okay, so now let's hear more about your involvement in USURF. How did you find out about the program and why did you apply? Let's start with you, Zoe. Uh, one of my favorite profs, um, Ashita Pandey, actually reached out to me and told me about the program and asked if I'd be interested in applying with her. Um, so that's how it first got brought to my attention. Um, and she was really amazing because a lot of the time this program is used to fund students um, who are coming onto an existing research project that a prof has going on. So students themselves don't always get to pick the topic that they're going to be researching. Um, but Dr. Pandey was really amazing and she gave me the chance to choose my own um, field and topic that I wanted to pursue. And she just said that she'd be there to support me through it. So that was really amazing of her. And I'm so appreciative that she gave me that opportunity. How about you, Aiden? Yeah, so um, I found out about USURF just through researching different Queen's opportunities. Um, and I decided to apply because for the longest time, I've kind of considered um, research as the next step in, in my academic journey. I've, I've been someone who's really heavily considered doing a master's and a PhD and then potentially going into academia. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity for me to um, get exposed to research, especially since I find that um, research for people who aren't in STEM fields are a bit more limited uh, in the undergraduate space. And uh, what really drew me to USURF is the fact that the research that I was doing was self-directed. So I got to choose my research project, whereas um, I know for most cases, when you're undergrad student, you generally hop on to a research project that a professor has and, and you help them with theirs. But this was a topic I chose. It was super fun to do. Um, and I did it with uh, Dr. Beverly Mullings, uh, who is in the geography department. And now what did the application process actually look like? What did you need to do to prepare? Uh, yeah, so there's two parts of the application proce process. There's the student side and the prof side. So on the student side, um, you had to give an elevator pitch of your research. So in about 100 words or less, um, in layman's terms, you had to describe what you were going to be researching. And then you had to explain how that research was going to help you develop as a student and what skills you were going to try and gain from it. And then the last question was, where do you see your research impacting the world around you? So what is the scope beyond just academic work, um, can it influence the world around you? Okay, Zoe, talk about the research you actually conducted. So we were looking at um, why lesbianism was never criminalized in England. Um, it was illegal to be a homosexual in England, but lesbianism was never explicitly criminalized. So we looked at parliamentary debates um, in the House of Commons and the House of Lords, um, expert witness testimony and government reports and then contemporary feminist journals. Um, and so we focused on the 1920s and the 1950s, but specifically the 1920s, because there was a proposed criminal law amendment that would have criminalized lesbianism, but it never was able to pass through the houses. Um, and in looking at these documents, uh, the thing that struck out to us was that um, the language surrounding lesbianism was really vague and obscure. So they would never say the word lesbianism or lesbian. They would just say like it or this offense um, or this vice. And so we began to think that um, there could be like a concerted effort to suppress and silence the lesbian um, by omitting them 
uh, from the law. So there was this fear that criminalizing lesbianism would actually spread awareness of it to young women. And so they wanted to completely leave it out of the law in order to make sure that nobody knew about it. And you, Aiden, tell us about your research. Yeah, so uh, what I did is I looked at the impact of uh, remittances on the development of Nepal. So um, meaning to say I looked at the money that migrant workers uh, who are working abroad uh, are sending back to their families in Nepal and how that impacts things like uh, education. And I did this through um, the lens of social reproduction theory, uh, which you know, basically is just to say I looked at the the things that are needed for society to function, for society to reproduce. So things like like cooking, like cleaning, all the tasks that need to get done so that society can 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 do everything else. And so I looked at the impact that the money has that these migrants are sending home and how that impacts female access to education in terms of are these uh, girls back home doing more social reproductive work because of this money or are they doing less uh, social reproductive work and are they able to go to school? So that's kind of the research that I was working on. And now, Aiden, what new knowledge, experiential learning opportunities and skills did you gain? Yeah, so I would say one of the uh, the biggest skills that I learned was working with large amounts of data. Uh, so the research that I was doing, I looked at um, Nash, the Living Standards Survey from Nepal, which is this huge national database um, conducted in Nepal. And so I had to learn to work with this data and I used this program called SPSS. So I would say that that's probably the biggest skill, hard skill that I learned. Zoe? For sure. So um, this uh, program definitely gives you skills in self-management and time management because you're doing a lot of independent research. You need to get really good at tracking your own hours and being honest about the work that you were doing um, and communicating that with your prof. Uh, another big one is staying open to feedback and adapting your work if you need to. So for instance, I had to initially change my research question because the first question I wanted to ask had a pretty, pretty simple answer once we started doing the research. So we had to sort of broaden the scope and focus more on the like language and discussion that was happening around my question. Um, and then the last one I would say is uh, close reading skills of these primary documents, um, especially if you're doing historical work, a lot of the time you need to learn like all the code words um, and tricks that um, people in the past were using to talk about taboo subjects, especially if you're doing queer history. Um, so I had to learn all of these little like code words that they would use to talk about queer people in the past. And now, how do you both think this will apply to your future research projects? What will you do moving forward? Um, I'm definitely interested in applying to grad schools, and this would uh, be a topic that I would be interested in, in pursuing at that higher level. Um, I've thought a lot about extending it to a Canadian context. Um, because Canada was a, con a colony of Britain, we took a lot of British laws, including gross indecency, which, um, but I'm not sure if we extended that to women. So I don't know if lesbianism was explicitly illegal in Canada. So it'd be really interesting to look at this from a Canadian context and see what was going on here. Yeah, so I think um, for me, uh, because I got to pick the project that I'm working on, it's been really great in understanding what I want to do in the future in terms of a master's or a PhD. And so uh, a lot of the research that I worked on is stuff that I hope to potentially continue later down the line um, as I continue school. 
Anything else you'd like to share today? No, I think that's it. I think anyone who's even considering this opportunity should definitely apply. It's a really great opportunity to um, get exposed to research at the undergraduate level. And I had a really positive experience. Yeah. Um, if anyone is interested in the topic I've been talking about, I highly recommend checking out Caroline Derry's book. It's called Lesbianism and the Criminal Law, Three Centuries of Regulation in England and Wales. And it's really amazing. I drew a lot from her work. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Thanks so much for joining us. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Folks, we've been chatting with Zoe Mack and Aidan Gurung about their participation in the USERF program. Again, applications for this year's fellowships are due on March 1st, and interested undergraduate students can visit the Find Funding tab on the Vice Principal Research Portfolio website or email Tracy Allen at allent at queensu.ca to get more information about the program and how to apply. Thanks for tuning into Campus Beach. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.